So I want to share a scripture. Um, I don't think this is where we're at yet as a congregation, but this is a place uh, where Jesus has taken us. So if you read this in context, um, I think you'll see where we're at. But this is where Jesus has taken us. It's in Acts chapter 4. I'll begin with verse 32. It says, Now the heart and soul of the multitude of the ones having believed was one, and not one was claiming any of his possessions to be his own, but all things were common to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving proof of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. For neither was anyone among them lacking, for as many as were owners of lands or houses were selling them, and from time to time they were bringing the proceeds of the things being sold, and were laying them at the feet of the apostles, and distribution was made from time to time in proportion to what anyone was having need. So as we see Jesus moving in the heart of the church, the artificial lines that separate families one from another, that separate us because of things that we own or don't own, all those lines go away in revival. As God brings revival, we don't have lines anymore. And so if Jesus asks me to give whatever it is, time, money, energy, you just do it. You don't even think about it. it um, and this is the whole body functioning in that. And so I'm just so excited to see what Jesus wants to do in our heart. And so I'm not going to give you a precept to follow. There's not a precept. You've got to give yourself fully to Jesus. And then Jesus will put this in your heart to give one to another. He'll have you to give your time. He'll have you to give your energy. He'll have you to give everything that you have, every, sometimes every ounce of your energy. And then he'll do that with such sweetness. And I just pray that you're willing to come all the way into that because that's the heart of Jesus. That's where he wants to take us. So we don't have to work it up. I don't have to spit and shout. Nothing wrong with that. But we don't have to do that because there's a well flowing up in our soul from Jesus, from the heart of Jesus, and it just gushes out. So that's where Jesus has taken us. The so next time we'll talk about the other side of this where they didn't allow that to happen. That's chapter 5. But the heart of Jesus is chapter 4 for us. So let's pray. Lord, I just ask that each one of us would be willing to give everything into your hand, Lord, to lay down our lives. Lord, and we know that if we're willing to do that, Lord, you'll come and you'll meet us. And you'll give us great strength and courage. And, Lord, you'll give us a willingness to love and pour out to others. So, Lord, I just honor and bless your name today. Lord, have your way in this house, Lord. I praise you, and I honor your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The message title is One Life.
to serve Jesus. One life to serve Jesus. Almighty God, you granted to each one of us one life. And you've said that what we do with that life will determine whether we enter into heaven or are cast into hell because we've stolen ourselves from you. For we belong to you. So Lord, would you quicken this in our hearts today? And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. It overwhelms my heart. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I saw a sign on the back of a Jeep this week. It said, everyone who wanders is not lost. I looked at that. I said, I know what you're saying. You're saying that you have your Jeep and you can go wander and you're not lost. But every man who wanders is lost by definition. If you're a wanderer, you're not at home. You're lost. Or you're on a direct path that you know will take you home. I mean, home is where we all want to go. I don't think any of you, and I kid people, I'll go by a Starbucks and the guy's there. Ben is always working at the Starbucks. And I say to him, Ben, do you have a cot in the back? He looked at me. No, pastor, I don't. I said, do you have a home you ever go to or do you just work all the time? He said, I have a child and I have a wife. I want to go home. Well, we all want to be at home. Home is where the heart is. A wanderer doesn't have a home to go to. I have a home to go to. It's called heaven. That's where I want to be. I want to be with Jesus. I'm eager to go there. If the bus came by right now that said, on the way to heaven, I'd go get on the bus. Okay, I'm ready. I want to go home. I'm tired of the wickedness. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the destruction and the anger. I want to board the bus and go home. That's where my heart is. It's with Jesus. So I began looking at the scriptures. I'll tell you what I found, and then I'm going to walk you through it. Every one of us are owned by God. We are owned property. You may not like to think of yourself as owned property, but that's what we are. None of us gave birth to ourselves. Some of us have had incredible miracles happen in our lives that allow us to even be here. Some of you have been caught in drugs. You've been caught in all kinds of destructive stuff until you thought you were going to go crazy. And Jesus delivered you. He set you free. He gave you a sound mind. He put your feet on the road toward home. We're owned. 
That means we have a responsibility to our owner. If you hired me, Jesse, to work for you, and while I'm punched in on the clock, I'm sitting over at Starbucks for three hours, having a latte, and I come back to the shop, and you say, did you get the job done? Well, you know, I wanted to go and do the job, but I kind of wanted a coffee, and so I just stopped by, and I've been over there enjoying Starbucks for three hours. I mean, I wonder what Jesse would say to me. Would he say, man, that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. You're fired. I don't know what he'd say, but I can tell you this. He would not enjoy paying me to sit at Starbucks and have the customer calling and angry and saying, why didn't your man show up? When's he going to get here? Well, ma'am, you know, he was having too good a time drinking his coffee this morning, so he just decided he was going to skip you on the, on the schedule. I tell you what, that man's not going to last very long on Jesse's team. You think Jesus is going to be any different with you? You think Jesus is going to be happy that you take a day, a week, a year, years, and go do your own thing while you're on the clock of Jesus? And all of us are punched in on Jesus' clock. And everything we do is being recorded. He knows what our heart is, and he knows if we have stolen ourselves away and refuse to do what he's asked us to do. Well, I started looking in the scripture at stories about this, and immediately I come to this man, Abraham. He's living in an incredible place called Ur of the Chaldees. It is a lush area of the earth. They have running water. When you go into the bathroom, can I tell you how luxurious this is? This is this is a hot area. So when you go in and you sit down in the bathroom, and that's what they had, it's constantly flushing. And you put your feet in the running water so that your feet, dirty from sandals, are washed at the same time and you're cooled. If we had that, we might be spending too much time in the bathroom. I mean, that's luxury. It was a city of commerce and business, and Abraham's family was wealthy. They had silver and gold. They were business people. They were making good money. And God's word comes to Abraham and says, leave your family, leave your kindred, Leave your home and go to a land I'm going to show you. Well, where's that? He has no clue where that land is. And yet he's supposed to walk away from his home. He's supposed to walk away from his business. He's supposed to take the cattle he has. And now he has to change. He's no longer going to be a businessman living in a nice house. 
He's going to have to move into a tent. He's going to have to become a nomad wanderer. He's going to have to make his living now cleaning the snotty nose of sheep. He's not going to walk downtown and take a restaurant in because now he's going to have the stench of sheep about him. He hired those people, and now he's supposed to take everything he has, leave his family, and go to a land that he's going to be shown. Often what we think is home is not home. We all have this incredible ability of, you could put me in, a, in one of these shipping crates, and it wouldn't be very long before I begin accumulating things and putting a bed and, and putting this and putting that and hanging a drape over the door, and pretty soon I'd be pretty comfortable in my shipping crate. We have that. We're Americans. We can get comfortable wherever we are. Right? We have ways of making money here. But would that be home? No. Home is where the heart is. And we're owned by Jesus. So we're only at home when we're with Jesus. So every bit, everywhere else, well, let's put it this way. Jonathan Edwards, that great revivalist of the past, he said, if you're on a journey and you come to a wonderful inn or hotel, motel, and you rent a room for the night, and the bed is so comfortable, the swimming pool is so delightful, the food is gourmet, And you say, wow, I found a treasure here. Hey, honey, let's stay the night again. Let's stay all week. At some point, don't you have to say, wait a minute. This is a hotel. It's not where I live. I want to go home. Of course, you're not going to move into a hotel. A hotel is for single old men who don't have anybody. They have no place to go, so they rent the cheapest little room in a run-down, seedy hotel they can get. And they're not at home. They think back in their memory to times of the past when they had family and love and home. No, we don't stop on our journey unless we're forced to by some unexpected circumstances. No, we want to go home. We want to go to where Cana land is. Now, Abraham did not know he was headed to Cana land. Cana land is the promised land. The promised land is where the temple of God is going to be built. It's where God is going to come and reside. It's like when I was in Israel and this wonderful Jewish guide, this tough old bird who was a tank driver in the, in the last war. He's now bald and gray and he's an old man, but he's still as tough as nails. He was guiding us 
on the Mount of Olives, and I said to him, knock him. You see, this is where my home's going to be. I'm going to build a house here. He said, you're going to do what? He thought I'd lost my mind. He said, this is not property anyone can build a house on. I said, oh, but it is because there's a man coming who's going to step down in the middle of that, and there's going to be a great earthquake, and it's going to split apart, and there's going to be a great level place, and then out of the heavens is going to come this incredible city, and it's called the New Jerusalem. And I'm going to live there. That's going to be my home. I'm going to live with Jesus. He's supposed to be your Messiah, too. And Nockham just blew me off. He didn't want to talk anymore. He turned in disgust and walked away. I want to go to Cana land. Cana land is home. And I tell you, when I went to Israel, I have never felt so much at home anywhere on this earth as I did standing in the old quarter of the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the dig that is now uncovering King David's palace and looking at where the temple of God had sat before it was destroyed by the Babylonians. So Abraham takes everything he has. He does exactly what God has told him to do. But his family insists on going with him. So his father's name means delay. But finally, in Haran, he dies. And Abraham continues by himself, except he has Lot. And Lot's going to bring him trouble. But after all of this, they get to the promised land. And there's a famine in the land. And Abraham is not strong enough yet to stand on the word of God. So he goes down through south, what is called the Negev. It's a desert area. And he goes into Egypt where there is water from the Nile and the palm trees. Every wicked thing is in Egypt. And that's where he picks up Hagar. He gives his wife over to Pharaoh. The very person God wanted to use to bring about his glory, create the children of Israel. Abraham gives away because he feels threatened by Pharaoh. So God sends diseases on Pharaoh and his household. The women can't have children. Pharaoh finds out through divination what he has done. And Pharaoh kicks him out of the land. And he goes back to Cana land. Okay, please hear me. On the journey to Cana land, you may walk into a famine. And times may get very difficult. 
And you have to make a decision. Am I headed down to Egypt to sell my soul to Pharaoh? And some of you have done that. Or am I going to give myself to the God of heaven and say, you said I should stand here. And so no matter what happens, I am going to stand loyal to you because I belong to you, O Jesus. Little Peter's confession today. He didn't even know what he was saying. I don't think, not fully, because he hasn't lived long enough to have many famines to walk through. He's had some famines. He's had some sickness. He's had some pain. Enough that he knows he's going to say, I love Jesus, and I'm going to serve Jesus. I mean, out of the mouth of a child, I didn't hear any of you come to the mic and say that. How come? Why not? Come on. A little child shall lead them. Maybe I'd end the sermon here and sit down and let each of you come here and say whether you'll serve Jesus or not. (laughs) Some of you have already said yes. Some of you have said, I'm in rebellion, and I've not been doing what I should be doing, and I know that. Don't make God send disease again. Get on back to Cana land. Stand where God tells you to stand. Walk where he tells you to walk. So Abraham walks through all of this, and then we come to Genesis, the 17th chapter. Abraham is now 99 years old. That, by the way, gives me great courage. So Mike's hair may turn gray, and his beard may turn gray, but he's not 99 yet. Mike, that gives us great courage, doesn't it? He's going to have to ask you, isn't he? (laughs) When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. I want you to hear that today. The Lord is coming to you right now. Hear this word. And he's saying to you, I am God Almighty. I am God. Walk before me and be blameless. Literally, the word is walk before me and be complete. Be perfect. It's time for the struggle to be over, the commitment to be made. I will follow Jesus. It's as simple as that. It's not rocket science. It's making that decision that says, okay, I've been a wanderer. I want to go home. I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of the world's nasty game. I'm tired of the wickedness of the world. I'm tired of the pain and the anguish. I'm tired of the fighting and the division. I am going to serve Jesus. Jesus. 
and I'm going to let his love flow through my heart, and I'm going to serve him. End of discussion. Now, Abraham hears this, falls face down before God, How do I know? And he makes a covenant with Abraham. We have that covenant at the cross where Jesus died. A covenant of peace, of love, of salvation. So when we go to the New Testament, this so struck me. When we go to the New Testament, In the book of Matthew, Jesus gives the most complete sermon we find, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins this sermon by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, or literally, how happy are the poor in spirit. He's saying, look, The ones who recognize they cannot change their condition, they are an old sinner. They have gone the wrong way. But they're willing to come to Jesus and say, look, I don't have anything to recommend me to you. I know you own me. Matthew, the fifth chapter. The Beatitudes. How happy the man who says, I have nothing to offer you, Jesus, but I'll come as I am. And I'm going to serve you. So chapter 5 starts with how happy are those who are poor, those who are weeping over their condition, those who are humbled by the wrong they've done, those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness or after that word righteousness in the Greek is dikasune, and it means to be innocent. One of the greatest gifts God has given to me. If I take very much time to think about some of my past, I simply begin to cry because I've done some things I am not proud of. Utter rebellion against God. And I'm guessing that every one of you, if you get honest with me, if I ask you face to face, have you done anything? that you feel very badly about having done, that you feel guilty before God for having done. We've all done it. None of us are innocent before God. There are things we are ashamed of in our past, and we would not want them to pull the screen down and flash pictures of us doing things that we are ashamed of. I guarantee you we would not like that. The greatest gift Jesus has given me is he said, I know you're guilty. I know what you've done. But I'm willing to wipe all of that out and let you be innocent before me with no longer any accusation against you. I will forgive you and I will remove that and I will make you innocent. A very promiscuous 
young woman came to see me with tears. As she talked about the wickedness of her life. And I said to her, but you can start over. And she said to me, but I can never be a virgin again. And I said to her, wrong. When you're born again, you become a new person. The old person is dead and gone, and you are a new person, and that new person is a virgin. You get to start over. The greatest gift Jesus has given me is that I could start over. That I didn't have to carry the baggage of my past. I could let it go. And know that Jesus has taken it away from me. That the old man is dead and gone. And a new creature stands here that has never existed before. It's called conversion in the scripture. It's it's when the old is totally changed into something new. So the fifth chapter of Matthew opens with happiness. Happiness because of delivery. And then he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Remember just what I said. How can a promiscuous woman be made a virgin again? By a new birth. By being made over. He says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. I'm sure if I was to ask each of you, have you ever felt like you were worthless? I have. I've said, what in the world am I doing? I just keep blowing it. I keep messing up. I keep causing conflict. I keep doing things I don't want to do. I keep saying things I don't want to say. And then Jesus comes. And he says, let's start over. Let's let the old things go. Let's let the blood that I shed on Calvary cover you. Let me wash you clean. I'll make you over. It's either that or be thrown out. Those are the only two options. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Jesse cannot go to work in his company and pretend he is not a follower of Jesus. Or he has to go back to the old stuff and start to sin against God again. And if he does that, the Holy Spirit's going to come on him and say, Jesse, stop it. Repent. Get right. Don't walk that way. You're a new man. You were converted. Walk away from that junk that you're ashamed of. From the accusations you're ashamed of. From the fights you start. Don't go there. 
walk away. And as Jesse is at work as a light, suddenly he begins to connect with other people who also want to go home, who also want something new in their life. And suddenly we see new people showing up. If you're not bringing new people to the church, it's because your light's not going very far. You're under a bushel basket. You're hidden away. Enough. Take the bushel basket away. Let the light of God begin to beam out of your heart. Invite people to come. Invite people to come and go home with you. It's Cana land. It's Jesus. I've been to the parties. I've been to the dance clubs. I've been in the world. They don't hold anything from my heart. I'm done with it all. I've sat for hours and watched the stupid television until I got so sick of it, I said, what am I doing? Why? Turn it off. Have you ever tried to eat ice cream for a week and that's the only thing you eat? It wouldn't be long until you'd say, throw that stuff away. I want a steak. Am I right? Well, the devil has all of his ice cream that he puts out for us. I want steak. I want something real. I want something nutritious. I want something solid. I want something that makes a difference in the way I look and feel and act. I want the light of glory from Jesus to shine out of my heart. I don't want the junk of this world. You come through the entire chapter. It starts with be happy. It ends with verse 48. Look at it. Matthew 5, 48. I don't want you to question whether it says it. Look it up. Read it. Matthew 5, 48. What's it say? Matthew 5, 48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, does anyone have to say to Peter, Peter, look like your dad. Of course not. He already looks like his dad. You'd never mistake him for somebody else's boy. He looks like his daddy. We're to look like ours. We're to look like Jesus. Or we're going to look like the devil and be filled with darkness. So who do you look like today? 
mean, Jesus walks through this Sermon on the Mount. He starts with, be happy because you don't have anything and you can't do anything, but I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you into something. And he ends by saying, okay, now look like me. It's called conversion. When you finally say, okay, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm done with the world. It's finished. And I'm now ready to do my duty which is to be the light of the world, to share Jesus with everyone I meet, to talk with people about Jesus, to be bold. How do you stand today with Jesus? And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. If you know today that you have not made an absolute commitment to follow Jesus, and today you're willing to say, I will make that decision unequivocally. I don't know how I'm going to get through. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm willing to say, with little Peter, I will follow Jesus. If, you've, if, if you have not been following Jesus and you're willing to say that, I want you to come and stand here and I want to pray with you. Anybody want to come and say that? 